Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as you know, all month long, I am trying to honor and learn from our U.S. veterans, the people that uh, have given up a lot of time, their, um, a lot of their their focus to help keep us safe in this world. And it's been such an honor to learn from them all, as well as learn more about really what it takes to be somebody who not only spends time in the military, but their families who also serve and support along beside them. So uh, today joining me is Ricky Higby, and he is like many of my wonderful guests. He is also a very charismatic, dynamic, and inspirational public speaker and teacher, but motivator at the basis of that. His passion is, get this, to propagate respect and resilience through the art of oration. And we all know that our words have power and we can use our words to do good things and we can use our words to do bad things. So he wants to obliterate behaviors that include bullying and domestic violence, sexual assault, sexual harassment, self-harm, inequality, discrimination, and also suicide. So that kind of, you know, that often falls along people who have been uh, abused through those other behaviors. So it's, it's really amazing. And he talks about being your best self with hashtag be as built, which we're going to want to talk about as well. So he spent 26 years in the military. So this is a man who has totally been dedicated to, to our, um, our safety and security. And I can't wait to learn from him. So first of all, Ricky, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you, Michael. And uh, it's very much a, pl a pleasure to be here. Um, I hear you, you say the terms um, that um, you're thankful for the sacrifices that we've given. Um, and, and I think a lot of us don't necessarily see it as that. Um, mm. We are there to serve. Um, we, we said that we would serve. And, it's, um, and I think we see it as that. As we see it very much as a, a privilege um, to be able to selflessly serve. Um, and I think from my experience, it was a true privilege because it put me in spaces that I would never have been in um, on my own um, mm. to learn things that I would never have learned um, of my own volition. So it was very much a privilege all the way around for me to be able to serve um, in our United States Air Force. I love that. I am so I'm so appreciative of those words too, because you're absolutely right that it is uh, for people, especially that have spent a significant number of years, like you did in the military, that it is an honor to to uh, 
and to have that responsibility. So we are very thankful for it. So yes. I just gave a couple highlights of who you are right now, but you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, your business today, um, how you help people shock their potential, and then we'll learn a little bit more about your uh, military career as well. Okay, absolutely. So as you said, my name is Ricky Higby. Um, I served 26 years um, in the United States Air Force. Uh, the first half of my career, I spent really literally touring the globe. Um, this sounds um, kind of interesting in the fact that that first half of my career, I spent um, hand gliding in the Swiss Alps, um, going to uh, all across Germany, all across Europe, um, at the Eiffel Tower. Um, so it really was a dream because um, when I left high school, I said the two things that I would like to be able to do is travel the world and get my education. Um, so through that military, I literally did that for the first half of my career. I toured the world, um, went all over Europe um, while serving. Um, and then this, the last half of my career was um, very interesting in the fact that I was put in a position to where I get to do what I love to do every single day. So there were opportunities there where, you're, you're, where I would ask the question, you're telling me that you're gonna pay me to do this. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I would get to teach and I would get to speak um, on communication and leadership principles and those other topics that you mentioned, um, resilience and positive psychology and suicide prevention. Um, and that's what I would get paid to do. And the Air Force put me in a position to be able to do that. Um, so I'm very, very thankful um, for that. And that's where I've been able to, um, I met my wife um, in the military. So um, not only was I active duty military, but then I was also a military spouse at the same time. Mm. Um, so my children have kind of grown up in that. And I think our particular family has grown up um, a little bit different than a typical military family in that, um, once the children came into play, we didn't travel all over the place. Um, mm -hmm. so we, um, they were still able to have a, a solid foundation as far as family and those kind of things go. Um, as far as me, Ricky, as a person, uh, my priorities in life go, um, for me, Jesus Christ is number one in everything. So everything kind of feeds from that particular um, center. Um, my number two priority is, is my wife, Naomi. Um, and then number three is the children and everything comes after that. So um, I wish I could say I always get it in that priority. Um, <laughs> not, not always the case, but um, that is absolutely the goal. So um, when it comes to the military piece, again, all I can say is it was an absolute privilege um, it was a glorious time for me personally um, to be able to spend that time in the military um, for them to say that, hey, we have a need for people to be taught and inspired and motivated. And mm -hmm. that in and of itself kind of um, when you say shocked your potential was something mm -hmm. for me that said, oh, I might have something here. That's where I learned that, you know what, you have been gifted with things like oration and things like teaching and things like speaking. And then the military put me in the position to be able to, um, what I phrase, align over a sign. So they were able wow. to align my particular skill set, passion, and gifting with what they needed. And then we kind of both benefited um, in that. So again, it's been an awesome time to be able to um, serve not only the nation, but more specifically each, in, each individual um, airman as I've gone throughout my career. 
I love that on so many levels. I love a line versus a sign. And that's a theme actually that I talk about often with people in non-military careers that, you know, just because you're in this job right now, whatever this job is, doesn't mean that you can't aspire to something else where your passions and your talents really meet. And I really try and get people to, especially now when, you know, things are a little less certain, businesses are, you know, cutting back. Um, this is actually a great time for people to flourish and show how they can help a business even better and bigger by really using their talents if they are aligned to the mission of the organization to not just wait for somebody to tap them on the shoulder and, and give them that opportunity, but say, hey, I have something to offer this company um, or this organization that's bigger than my job. And let me show you how it can help. And, you know, and being able to find that point where your passions really meet the opportunity. So what a great, what a great way for you to have something that you are already skilled in and passionate about completely align uh, in your career um, within the military and have it be something that, you know, that kind of trans transcended you from where you, wherever you were and what you were doing. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was great. And you bring up two great points. When you talk about um, mission of the organization, during my 26 years, I would find so many times that the young people in Air Force is an organization. So the young people in the organization would not really understand where they fit in that big mission. Mm -hmm. And so many of us would, would be very intentional about taking that time to say, you know what, you might just think that you're sitting here answering phones, or you think that you're, you're just here guarding the gate of the base. Um, but let's take you to what you are doing all the way up to that Department of Defense mission that you are actually enabling. Why? Because you are doing your particular piece. And that's really where my wife and I's mentality of hashtag B is built comes into play. That when I know who I am, how I am built, and I operate in that, then I can start to see those opportunities that say, you know what, this is who I am, and this is how I can connect that to the mission. Again, now we are aligned versus assigned. I love, I was just actually literally talking about that this morning on my morning motivation that I had taped for today. And I was talking about how whatever your job is, it impacts that the entire organization, I was giving the example of a, a like a janitor. So let's say you're a janitor and you are in, you come in from midnight, you know, from 11 PM till 7 AM. And your job is to clean the offices in whatever building. And your job that day is to make sure all the conference rooms are clean and spotless. And you, you may think, well, I'm just, you know, emptying waste paper baskets and wiping off tables. But in that conference room, you don't know that the next day they might be bringing in like the most important client that, you know, that the business could ever have. And if they look down and found, you know, candy wrappers on the floor or dirty, you know, coffee cups, that can ruin the whole opportunity. So your role, no matter what it is, has an impact, but you're absolutely right. I think that sometimes as leaders, we fail to um, help everybody understand and really embrace what their part is, you know, that doing your particular piece, how it makes the whole thing run and click. And it is so vital. Absolutely. Fully, fully agree. And I think a lot of time leaders, because we can be so focused on getting the job or the mission done that we forget to be intentional about that. And I think the military is very, very good at, at putting structures in place um, so that we think about those things. Um, from the way that we provide feedback to the, uh, we would say our employees, um, on the, all the way up to different um, educational opportunities that we have, um, reminding leadership that listen, remember you as a leader 
are here to serve and to influence. If you look at John yes. Maxwell, he says that leadership is the art of influence. So mm -hmm. no matter what it is, we are getting those young individuals or those other even peers mm -hmm. to be able to buy into what it is that we're trying to do. I love it. I absolutely do. So um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. And, and I'd like to know, this has been so fascinating. I love asking all my guests this month this question. What do you think everyone who's listening right now should know about the life, you know, kind of life, military life, being a spouse of a military um, a person. I mean, you had it both. What, what, should, what should the rest of us know that we probably don't or we wouldn't even think to ask? The, maybe that lets the, the, the cat out of the bag or the, uh, the secret out, but it's an, uh, again, it's an awesome opportunity to, for you as an individual to learn things about yourself that you never, ever knew. So um, I didn't necessarily come in the, in the military in 1991 as this super patriotic person. I self, selfishly came in for education and travel. But once I get in and you get part of this culture and you become part of that team, um, that team, that family piece that is created um, within the Air Force, within the military, is absolutely amazing. So one, I would say the opportunities that are there for you to experience life and to create that journey um, for yourself are absolutely amazing in the military. And then that second piece of um, the, the family that is, that is created. I recently did a talk with um, Tuskegee University um, on suicide prevention just two nights ago. And we looked at a model from Dr. Joyner out of Florida State University, and he talks about how important that belongingness is when it comes to people wanting to go down that road of potential self-harm. And the interesting thing that I love about the military is we are very, very intentional, um, sometimes even elementary about the fact that, no, you are my brother. I, I take this literally that we as an, we, Air Force being airmen, we as airmen are wingmen literally. Um, no matter what it is, if it's two o'clock in the morning, you just need to chat across the board. The team will say, you need to, to give me a call. Or if we need to go to Waffle House and have a cup of coffee um, post-COVID and talk through <laughs> this kind of exactly. thing. Um, so I think that is a huge thing that no matter where you go when you're in the military, you have family, you have connection. And I think that's a very important thing for um, people to know. I love that. Um, I, I'm always taking notes when I'm talking. And I was thinking also when you talked about that sense of family and that um, the patriotic uh, you know, feeling that you didn't necessarily have when you went in, you know, I can feel it from you just when you talk about it. And it's really, you know, the sense of family and, and how you sit together. Last year, um, so my my cousin, her daughter is at West Point. Her husband was, you know, was is was is former military. Her brother's former military. Her father, my uncle, spent his entire career in the Navy doing something with submarines, and we could never ask him what it was. <laughs> I'd um, have to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, um, we uh, last year. Uh, when my cousin's daughter it was her first year at West Point, they, uh, they, everybody came to our house. I live in Philadelphia for the Army Navy game. And so, you know, we went and I'll tell you, I had never been in the middle of something like that. And just watching everybody in their uniforms and watching, you know, our young kids and watching the veterans. And it was so, I got goosebumps so many times just in this sense of, 
wow, this is a giant family. This is like a huge, you know, even the rivalry, you know, between the two for the game was not outmatched by the sense of, you know, community because of service. And it was, it was powerful. It was tangible. Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful that, yes, we might be sister services across the Department of Defense, but again, we are literally um, brothers in arms. When that, when that time comes where you do have to deploy and your life literally um, depends on somebody else, that absolutely, that, that is your brother, that is your sister that is right there beside you, that you have confidence that they have your back um, no matter what. I love it. Well, I know that one thing that, um, especially that I talk a lot with my friends at the DAV about is sometimes there can be a lot of challenges transitioning from military life to civilian life. And in this case too, from, you know, having a spouse uh, in the same, in the same boat with you. Um, tell me what was the most challenging part of making that transition for you or both of you? Yeah. So I'd like to kind of take that in two parts if I could. And sure. This first part can be a little bit serious because we talked about that family aspect of being um, in the military. So um, when you separate or retire from the military, there's a loss that happens. So just like if you were to lose a, a family member or something like that, there's a grieving that, that takes place. And I think that's something that, that post-military time um, is not focused on a lot um, mm -hmm. because you're used to that close-knit family all the time. And now all of a sudden, the day after you retire or separate, sure, they're still there, but there's still a loss um, mm -hmm. that happens very, very significantly. Um, in 2014, um, I was mil to mil, military to military, married at the time. And in 2014, um, my spouse at the time took her own life. So she was a retired military individual, um, obviously absolutely horrible, but I really think, because she was one year post-retirement, um, there are a lot of things that could have come into play, but I really think that that fact that she no longer had that particular family, I can't say that was the cause, but I think that was one of those risk factors that came into play that for 20 years she had this family that she had, and now that particular family um, isn't there like it was. Um, so... And that right there kind of for personally for me spurred me on to some other things that I've been doing. So the, the lack of family is something that's significant, a challenging part for that transition. And then the second piece of that for me personally is the lack of structure. So um, 26 years, um, you're very adamant about minute by minute, hour by hour. And as a, as a teacher and as an instructor, it was literally every minute of the day is documented that from this hour to this hour, you're teaching this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but once I retired and that whole thing went away, that was very much a struggle uh, for me. So trying to recreate that structure personally, <laughs> that's been kind of, um, kind of a challenge, but mm -hmm. that's okay. We make it work. Yes, I'm so sorry for your loss. And it really does explain also a lot of your passion um, and I can, I can see that sense that, yes, you said, you know, as you separate and there's this loss, you know, they're there, but you're no longer part of it on right. a daily basis. And, and you know that it's still operating without you that, I mean, that's got to be another sense of loss too. It's not just like loss of someone and you know, they're never coming back. It's like on the outside looking in, knowing you, you're not in there any longer. That has yeah. got to uh, play with your psyche quite a bit. 
Absolutely. And it's interesting that it goes right along with that, that research when it comes to suicide and things like that, that lack of belonging, um, that you had such a close knit belonging at one point. And that was the motivator for a lot of people to do what they're doing because I'm not only depending on myself, but my brother and my sister is depending on me to do X, Y, or Z. And now when that belongingness is removed, yeah, there's a significant chasm gaping hole that can be created um, in that if the right things aren't um, added to kind of um, compensate for that particular loss. Yeah, you know, I mean, that that just brings up even more thoughts. You know, I was thinking about more of the feeling of my loss, you know, for instance, of not being a part of that group anymore. But when a lot of your identity is tied up in what you do to help support that group, when you are no longer, when you no longer have on a daily basis, something that you are feeling like you have to contribute, like you said, you know, your particular piece, and now you have to find a different particular piece. That's got to be, that's got to make it feel like, okay, well, like on uncertain ground. Like, sure, I knew what this was and I knew what I delivered. And now I don't know where I am and I don't know where I deliver. Yep. And that could actually create kind of an ethical dilemma for people in the military still, because we want to teach them that you, for Air Force, you want to bleed blue, quote unquote, that, hey, that you are your thought processes, your psyche, your paradigms, when they're wrapped through the mission of what you're trying to do, then you're going to be able to do that the best that you can do that. But if I'm so wrapped up in that, and then that is taken away because of retirement, and now that that is no longer there, now there's a potential um, issue coming into play there. So yeah, that as you said, that does play a lot into what I do now. Um, mm -hmm. Even for some of the research that I'm doing in my doctoral program, that comes into play um, significantly. What was the most successful part of your transitioning? Here's, here's what's interesting, the total opposite of that. So I said the issue was the lack of structure, but then also the benefit was the white space that it created. And I know that kind of sounds oxymoronic, but my wife and I both, my wife now, currently we both feel the same exact way that, you know what, here's what happened when we retired. We had a kid. So we were like, what? White space? What happened to white space? Well, that was no. a smart idea. <laughs> Absolutely. So we just kind of, one more, um, <laughs> one more kid in the crew. So we have four total. And it's absolutely awesome because what that did is it created a, a time and a space for us to be able to, to be around our youngest guy, Noah, 24-7, which is awesome and sometimes not so awesome. Um, no, so, I was like, can you go somewhere? And I need a, I need a day off. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. But here's the thing that we both, Naomi and, and myself, both thought, because we love to be able to do this, to just be able to be available. So if somebody says, I need X because I no longer have a schedule, I can get up and I can take breakfast to whoever. Or if I'm driving down the street and we see a homeless dude, come on, we're going to Waffle House and we're going to have some breakfast. Um, or we love doing this. People are, seem to be so afraid to make eye contact and wave. So we just drive around or walk around and just make eye contact and wave at people. Um, those little things really aren't that little. Uh, but yeah. when you're on a schedule and you have to be here and there, it's hard to be able to do that. So the white space that retirement has created for us, um, we really um, enjoy that piece of it. 
Well, and I love how you said that. I mean, it's okay to have those be the opposites and both of them have, you know, different places in there. You know, the lack of structure or loss of uh, loss of structure was challenging, but the, the loss of structure was a benefit. And I think that's a great way to look at so many things in our lives mm-hmm. is, you know, whatever that negative is, whatever, what can we hit the positive? In fact, one of the um, gentlemen I, that I interviewed yesterday um, was talking about, um, you know, about different ways to, you know, keep yourself motivated and a positive mindset. And he said, you know, every day journal the best thing that happened to you and the worst thing that happened to you that day. Because on the worst day, that right, forcing to write the best thing reminds you there was something good on that day. And on the best day, it reminds you that there's always something that's going to be lower than that. And so to keep us in balance to, so that we, we're not always looking for the, the perfect or the horrible, but that we're finding the balance between the two. That's great. That's wonderful to hear um, other people st- doing the, the gratitude journaling um, kind of thing. Because, man, the, the, the research that has gone into showing how beneficial that is from University of Penn and Dr. Seligman and those guys mm-hmm. um, is just amazing how something as simple as documenting what I'm thankful for today and what I wasn't so thankful for, how that can go into creating that positive mindset. Um, so that's, that's encouraging it, yeah. to hear. People always laugh at me because I've got a journal going all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Look at yes. And I'm constantly writing and it might be journaling. It might be gratitude. It might be, hey, I have this great new business idea. But the pen to paper is, I think, something that we have lost a little bit. And, you know, maybe for the next generation, it won't be as important. But for me, it is because I never, you know, I mean, this is how, uh, this is my age range. But it's, <laughs> it's that, that physical action of writing for me and seeing it pen to paper makes it more real. And when I do that, it really makes a difference to me. Yes, absolutely. So while you were in the military, what is the most important lesson that you learned that helped you to shock your potential? When I was in, um, it, it, would ha- it would go back to those opportunities. Um, so that most important lesson to shock my um, potential while I was in was one, be open to opportunities because in those opportunities, you never know what you're going to learn. So when I, was, when I was able to discover my ability to teach or speak, I wasn't going there because I was a teacher or a speaker. I was going there to be closer to family in, in the States at the time. And the job that was open was, we need you to be a teacher. I was like, uh-huh. okay. So I went and I did it. And boom, it just blossomed into this thing. So that one of those most important lessons is always be open to opportunity because what comes from that opportunity, opportunity, you never, never, never know. And that second most important thing is community. Um, Mm. The community is so important. And again, I kind of go back to that devastation event that happened um, during my career. Community during that time for my church community and my Air Force community Mm. being open to that and being vulnerable and letting them come in and say, listen, we got you. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. We've got you. So not only being open to opportunity, but also open to and embracing community were two significant things that um, I learned while, while in the military. Um, on the first part where you're just, you know, being open to the opportunities, it reminded me, I have a, a now he's a great ge- a friend of mine, but he was a, first a guest on my podcast several years ago. And he spent uh, 30 some years with UPS. 
And he started out, you know, loading boxes on trucks and then worked his way up. And uh, so he ended up vice president of several different divisions. In fact, he was the one that was charged with the task of when they bought mailboxes, et cetera, to transfer them all over to the UPS stores. And he said, in my career, one day, he goes, I think this advice came from his father who said, no matter what they ask you to do, just say yes. And then figure out how you're going to do it afterward. Just say yes. And so he's like, you know, they come to me and go, we have this idea. We need something. Will you do it? Yes. And they go home and tell his wife, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. (laughs) They'd come along and say, would you move here to do this? And he'd say, yes. And he'd come home and say, uh, we got to move. I have no idea what I'm doing and we got to move. And she'd say, okay. And, but it, it, he, when he talks about it, it's so great. Cause it's like, he goes, every time I had the smile on my face, I had no idea what I was going to do, why I was saying yes, but I said yes. And everything turned into something amazing. But he also says, you know, I wonder too, by just saying yes, you're already trying to think, how am I going to do it? How am I going to be good at this? How am I going to exceed? And I think that's, that's the more you say yes and you're open, the less you question yourself or worry because you're just like, well, I'm going to figure it out or I'm not. Right. And then whatever else comes, I'm going to figure it out or I'm not. And you just keep right. going. <laughs> and that's great. And I think the military is very good in kind of breeding that, that it's one of those things where there's opportunities where you just have to, we call it shut up and color where the boss said, do X. Okay, this is not a time for questioning. This is not a time for Y, because there's there's something on the line that, okay, we, I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna jump in there and we're gonna figure it out. And that's very applicable in the deployed location, because in a deployed location, you're put in positions to do things that you don't normally do. um, Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, here's what we have to do. I'm not sure how we're gonna do it, and that's where that good leadership comes into play, too, that says, oh, that's a pretty good idea. What do you think about that? And now let's start that brainstorming session. And then the gifts start to come out. And then, yeah. oh, look at that. We have an awesome way to be able to do that, um, whatever the task might be. Yeah, I love it so much. So here's the question I always like to get people reflecting on. And there's no, you know, there's, it doesn't mean you have to say I would change anything, but I like to ask people, if you could go back in time and talk to the younger Ricky at any point in time, tell him anything that would have shocked his potential farther or faster or kept him on the exact same path, what time would you go back to him and what would you tell him? I think it would be, or what comes to mind initially is going back to high school um, and encouraging him to ask more questions of my high school counselor. Ah, um, so I decided when I was in 10th grade that I was coming into the, into the Air Force. Um, and interestingly, because my cousin was in the Air Force and she had a refrigerator in her dorm room. And for whatever reason, <laughs> that was amazing to me. <laughs> so that's from 10th grade. I signed the paperwork um, with a delayed oh, enlistment yeah. program. And from then on, that's what I was, that's what I was doing. Um, <laughs> That is great. I just, so that's, I just have that's, to have a moment. That is a great way to make a decision. Go on. <laughs> it's all about the refrigerator. Exactly. Um, so that, that's definitely what I would do. I mean, kind of knowing what I know now as far as um, personality tests and DISS and Myers-Briggs and all those kind of things, um, digging into those kind of things a little bit more, not saying that I would necessarily have changed because um, mm-hmm. there's some other ways that I looked at going. I looked at going to... Um, seminary right out of high school um, and Air Force wise I looked at going to the Air Force Academy mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't really brought up in a home that that 
you ask a lot of questions. So that wasn't kind of modeled um, for me. So I was kind of, hey, here's, I was given, here's a cool opportunity. Okay, I'm gonna run with it. And that's kind of where I stayed the whole way. And it was been awesome, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but I do always wonder that if I would have asked more questions, especially on the Air Force Academy, um, I was interested in forensic science and things like that at the time, mm -hmm. um, would that have gone um, a different direction? Um, because when I came in, I came in in what's called open general, as far as the career field goes. And what that is, is, hey, you scored well enough across the board that we're just going to put you wherever we particularly need you. Um, and they put me in computers. My worst class ever in high school was computers. <laughs> the, the only C I ever got in high school was in computers. And that's where the oh. Air Force saw fit for me to be. Um, oh which was good because they trained me and all that kind of stuff. So that was very interesting. So kind of going back to answer your question, my thing would be to be more engaged with my, with my counselor and ask more questions of, Hey, what is this about? What are the other opportunities that might be here? Uh, and things like that. I love it. Well, we're almost done, but, and I know we'll have all your contact information in the show notes, but in case somebody wants to find you right now and learn more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, the best way to find me, um, really me and my wife as well, is to Google the hashtag be as built. Again, hashtag B-E-A-S-B-U-I-L-T. And that takes you to the Facebook page, um, the website, um, our email addresses are on there, our phone numbers are on there. Um, so that's really the, the best way for somebody to be able to get in contact with me. And when I speak, I've, I'm very adamant about using that because I think for me, it helps people know that, you know what, no matter what, there's somebody there. So mm -hmm. that email address, I'm sorry, that hashtag will take you to my specific contact information, my cell phone that sits right beside my desk that, hey, if you need to get a hold of somebody to chat, um, go for it. I love it. Ricky, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Uh, absolutely. The, as, as, You've heard Mich uh, Michelle, as you've heard Michael say, um, sorry about that. <laughs> hey, don't worry. Like I said, you can call me Bob. Don't worry about it. Right, right. Um, we kind of go by the hashtag of be as built. And we really truly believe um, in what that means that you are the only you on the planet. Dr. Seuss said it great. Um, there's nobody with more you-ness um, than you. Um, and Mr. Rogers says it as well, that you are special and it's your job to find that specialness, bring out your specialness, but then also bring out the specialness in somebody else as well. So if I could say one thing to the people that might be listening or seeing this, um, know that you are loved, know that you are special and know that nobody can do what you can do the way you can do it because of the background that you bring to whatever it is that you do. Thank you, Michael. I love it. Thank you, Ricky, so much for being my guest today. It was such an honor. Yes. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.